The Leech Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leech Report or email leechreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the show for Tuesday. We have moved the Clark's Pump and Shop studio south to Columbia, South Carolina, where the Wildcats play the Gamecocks tonight. 7 Eastern time is the tip-off as Kentucky looks to continue rolling right along in the SEC and in its quest for a number one seed. They got some help last night uh, with uh, Kansas and Duke both losing. We'll talk about all of this and more today. John Hale will join us. Timing worked out great on this. John has a story out today in the Courier-Journal, courier-journal.com, about a sit-down he had with U.K. Athletics Director Mitch Barnhart and some scheduling uh, comments and, and thoughts that came out of that. Uh, Larry Vaught will join us. And Derek Scott, who's the play-by-play voice of South Carolina with a scouting report on Frank Martin's club. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. I think you can be safe in assuming it will be a physical game tonight. Uh, South Carolina averages about 20 fouls per game. That's the most of any Power 5 or Power 6 school. Uh, But South Carolina does force 16 turnovers a game, so Kentucky will have to take good care of the basketball. Gamecocks can have trouble scoring at times. Uh, They've averaged 55 points a game in their losses, 76 points a game in their wins. Uh, Coach Martin yesterday in his media session lamented the uh, lack of production they've gotten from their big men. They could get a little help there. Josh Gray, the LSU transfer, seven-footer, with a uh, broken wrist, suffered uh, last week. He uh, may be back tonight for South Carolina. Oscar Shibwe, of course, has had some issues with the seven-footers like uh, Kessler and uh, Bediaco down in Alabama on Saturday. So that could be a noteworthy development if Gray is able to play. Uh, South Carolina gave up 18 second-chance points to Tennessee on Saturday. Uh, Gamecocks had a stretch of three straight wins, but now they're coming off back-to-back losses. Um, As far as playing in Colonial Life Arena, uh, John Calipari didn't stay around to the end on a couple of games down here. Uh, Five Kentucky teams over the years that have been ranked in the top five uh, have come into South Carolina. Four of them, uh, four wins, two losses for Kentucky teams ranked in the top five coming into South Carolina. Gamecocks have won the last two here. Uh, Last year, Kentucky blew out South Carolina in Rupp. Davian Mintz uh, and uh, B.J. Boston both hit six threes as uh, Kentucky made 13 threes in that game. But two years ago here in Columbia, uh, Kuznard, who's still on the South Carolina team, hit a three at the buzzer to beat that uh, 2020 Kentucky team. I don't think they lost again. They went on a long streak of, of wins until uh, Tennessee beat them in the last week of the regular season. And then, of course, they came back to have that big comeback win down at Florida that turned out to be the final game of that season for that Kentucky team. Uh, John Calipari announced yesterday Shaden Sharp will not play this season, Cal said it came after a consultation with Sharp's family. They all decided it was best to end the speculation. And 
I think that's a good thing. Um, if he wasn't going to play, just go ahead and say it so that it doesn't become any kind of a distraction. Calipari said Sharp will continue to practice and will focus on being better prepared, quote, to lead us next season. I know some of you, a lot of you, I don't know what the percentage is, don't think that he'll be here next season, so we'll just have to see how it plays out. If you uh, take his uh, mentor uh, from up in Canada that uh, was also uh, a um, mentor to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, if you take him at his word, uh, then Sharp will be back next season, and this has always been the, the plan to come here, get started on practice, and then to play next season and then go off and to really become NBA ready before he goes off to the league. Rankings, Kentucky strangely did not move in the AP poll. Arizona jumped them to go to fourth. Kentucky stayed at five, but Kentucky jumped Arizona and Duke in the coaches poll to move to number four this week. Now, speaking of uh, Duke, they lost on a buzzer beater at home to Virginia, 69-68. Virginia kind of had control of the game all the way uh, till the end, and then Duke forged a, a late lead, and you figured, okay, they're going to pull it out at home. And then uh, Virginia got a three-pointer with one second left to win at 69-68. And then Kansas uh, lost at Texas, 79-76. I think it was uh, a 7-0 run to end the game for the Longhorns. Both of those results help Kentucky's chances as far as a one seed for Selection Sunday. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our Wildcat News of the Day segment presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Uh, If they still have reservations for Valentine's Day, you can't find any place better. And if they don't, just think about Giuseppe's for the next holiday or special occasion in your life and go to giuseppeslexington.com and check out the menu and then go to the restaurant and check out the food it is fantastic accompanied with live jazz jazz music every night at giuseppe's of lexington john hale will join us when we come right back it's the leach report from columbia south carolina This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And John Hale joins us from the Courier-Journal, courier-journal.com on the web, where if you go to that site right now, you'll see uh, John's latest story talking with U.K. Athletics Director Mitch Barnhart. Uh, this uh, timed out well to have you on the show, John, to talk about this. Um, first piece of news, I guess, is that the uh, UK L basketball game won't be played this season, but when it is played next season, it will be in Lexington as it was scheduled to be this season, right? Yeah, I mean, there was some initial confusion, I think, when the game got postponed back in December, how that was going to work, because there had been such a uproar last year um, when Louisville wanted to push the game back, and, and Calipari didn't want to do that insisted that he played there in front of a short crowd and obviously he and Chris Mack had a little feud going but you know Chris Mack's not the coach anymore so I think that that maybe is one hurdle out of the way but they've discussed it and in the same way that Kentucky with the football series when they couldn't play last year because the SEC went to a conference only schedule you know allowed or, or agreed to just push it back and have Louisville play the home game this year they're going to do the same thing in basketball so it will return to Rupp Arena next year, which is good because we know all the talk this year about 
uh, the lack of quality non-conference home games. So now you've got Louisville and almost certainly the SEC Big 12 Challenge game at home next year. That's a, that's a decent place to start in improving the schedule. And with that, those two games having two good home games next season gives them a, a year to uh, another year to kind of work through some other things that they might want to do to from your article it sounds like beef up that home schedule yeah i i think mitch has acknowledged uh was very upfront about hearing all the talk about the schedule this year and so much of it has to do with that those neutral side games i mean they're never going to play a free game against a power five team that's just not realistic they do need some of those low major games to, to warm up and improve and gel and all those things we see cal's teams do every year when they have the full schedule but I think he, he's admitting that maybe they're playing too many neutral site games, that all their big games are in these neutral site venues. I don't think the Champions Classic is going away anytime soon. Uh, the CBS Sports Classic, I think, has one more year on the contract, so I'll be interested to see if they renew that after next year. Uh, but I think the other, the real area where that might change is those other kind of one-off neutral site games where they play a, a game in, in Barclays Center or play a game. You know, the London game against Michigan, I think, is up in the air as to what's going to happen there. Instead of doing a, a third neutral site game, uh, I, I anticipate they're probably going to move those to a, try and get a home-and-home home or some sort of game at Rupp Arena. Yeah, they used to have that uh, Carolina home-and-home home in early December, and as I understood it, uh, Carolina did not want to continue that when the ACC expanded their league schedule. But I, I think it would probably uh, uh, address fans' concerns to a large extent if they could add, you know, if they had a, uh, you know, and it would have to be a home and home there with a quality opponent somewhere early in December. Yeah, and it felt like Cal kind of opened the door to that, um, you know, earlier this year when he was talking about making contingency plans for COVID rescheduling. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It's certainly not going to happen with a non-conference game right now because they've just got SEC games left. Uh, but he was opening the door to playing home-at-homes against teams like Gonzaga, which got a lot of buzz. And so if, if they're willing to do that to make up a game this year, you know, hopefully that signals he's willing to do one of those things in the future when he has been so reluctant to play home-at-homes you know, historically. And when Texas and Oklahoma come into the league, that's two more quality league games, and they're going to have to be playing you know, league games in December uh, they played you know Missouri on the 29th this year, but I'm thinking you know before Christmas they're going to be playing league games. One yeah, two, and the other part of that is is like what is the SEC going to do in terms of are they going to expand the schedule again? I know John Calipari does not want to do that, but if they added two more games to the league schedule, that's one less home game because you're going to play presumably one of those games on the road, and so uh, that's going to I think have some implications too. Even what, uh, even before the season. Uh, John Calipari acknowledged that they're going to have to reevaluate what the, the schedule looks like moving forward for the conference expansion part, the neutral site part. Of course, all of this is talking about you know still trying to come back from the COVID year and, and the financial hit all these athletic departments took. And you see this year, you know, attendance has been far from full in any of these games. Uh, they need that kind of revenue, I think, to, to keep putting themselves in, in a good financial spot moving forward. So, you know, so many of those things about the, the schedule and attendance, they can't control it. They can't control the weather. They can't control the 9 p.m. starts for TV. They can't control you know, the conference schedule, really. But the non-conference home schedule is one thing they can do to try and get more people in the building. And so I think that's an area they've got to address. Talk with John Hale. You can uh, read this story we're talking about at courier-journal.com on uh, follow John on Twitter, and you can get the link at John uh, Hale underscore CJ. That's right, isn't it? I don't have it in front of me. That is. Uh, 
Let's talk about the current Cats, and uh, you uh, cover the team game in and game out. So um, did you think they would, uh, seeing them early in the season, did you think they would get to this point that they are right now? Honestly, no. I mean, I, I did come away from that Duke game more encouraged than discouraged because, you know, I thought that this was a team that was still finding itself. Obviously, Ty Ty Washington didn't play very well in that game. You assumed he was going to get better. But I kind of thought that this team had a, you know, second weekend kind of cap to its ceiling because, you know, they don't have that kind of superstar talent that, you know, so many of Cal's best teams have had. That was a concern. And then you looked at it and you thought, oh, well, you know, what do they do if Severe Wheeler gets in foul trouble? What do they do if Oscar Chibwe gets in foul trouble? How do they counter that in a six-game run in the, in the NCAA tournament? And I think that they keep coming up with answers. Obviously, when Wheeler was out for those two games, the way that Washington played, uh, he seems to be kind of rounding back into form after his own injury. That addressed a huge concern. The way that you know Lance Ware has played recently in terms of at least letting him hold serve when, when Oscar's on the bench was a big, I think, step forward. And then if Damian Collins can do anything remotely like he did Saturday at Alabama in certain matchups where you can kind of exploit his athleticism, that's a really big spot too. I mean, obviously injuries and, and those kind of things can change the outlook. But right now it's it's becoming harder and harder to come up with, you know, that kind of fatal flaw that you think is going to pop up at some point in the tournament run, like the you know, three point shooting in two thousand ten or the lack of a physical big guy in, in twenty sixteen. I, I just don't see that on this team right now, which is not something I would have predicted at the end of the year. Yeah, they have a, a lot of different ways they can beat you and you think about, you know, last season, um, our our crew was having this discussion, uh, one of the road games, and they said, you know, at one point, you know, they really didn't have a true point guard last season. They didn't have a real low post presence, and they didn't shoot it well. Wow, it's amazing they didn't win. Uh, so now they've got two really good point guards. They've got multiple guys that uh, can shoot it well. They don't take more threes, but uh, they, they hit their threes and twos at a much higher rate. And they have a very uh, definitive low post presence. Yeah, I mean, you start in, in that stat that gets cited so often is a little um, maybe misleading about teams in the, the top 20 and Ken Palm's adjusted to offensive and defensive efficiency win the title you know, every year or whatever. But uh, you realize that after you're making six, six games, winning six games of the tournament, you ended up in the top 20 in those categories kind of by default. But Kentucky's one of those teams right now that legitimately has a claim to be one of the best offensive teams in the country and one of the best defensive teams in the country. and That's a pretty good place to start if you're talking about winning games in the 80s or winning games in the 60s, which they've ever been able to do the last few weeks. Yeah, it's a good point about that stat. And what would be more – and it's a lot – thing about stats sometimes is if if you take the next step of, of uh, thought with it that uh, you, uh, it leads you to some more questions or, uh, or some more insight in this one, you know – how many of the team, if you take the Ken Palm rankings before the tournament, then how right. does that stat hold up? Then it might be more meaningful. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, obviously, if you're looking at teams right now, I think there is a lot of parity in, in the, around the country. I don't know that there's a single elite team, like maybe last year when you thought you know, Baylor and Gonzaga were just better than everybody else. I'm not sure that that's the case right now, but if there's a group of you know, six or seven teams you would put in a pot right now and say that, you know, Kentucky could win a national championship, you've, you've got to put Kentucky in that group. And, and I think, the, honestly, they have as good an argument as anybody. It would certainly look so right now with the way they're playing. And then you just look around the country, and, and uh, if you're a Kentucky fan, I don't think anybody scares you too much right now, especially after what they did at Kansas. No, definitely. I mean, that Kansas game, I think, kind of, 
change the conversation for sure. I mean, it's easy to say because they blew out a, a top five team on the road in their home gym in a place they don't lose very often. But so much of the narrative was about missed chances, and obviously they weren't healthy against LSU and Auburn to finally be able to put it together in that environment and and do what they've done since then, follow it up, even in some letdown games, to still win those in ugly fashion. Uh, the, the questions about this team, the list of questions, is just decreasing by the day. At John Hale underscore CJ, career-journal.com on the web. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Oh, by the way, congratulations on the Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year Award. Very well deserved. Oh, already dropped off. But anyway, uh, if you didn't know that, uh, John uh, was named Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year by the National Sports Media Association's uh, vote of his peers in Kentucky. Very well-deserved honor. We'll be right back with Larry Vaught, who has also won that award uh, several times himself. Eric Scott, South Carolina play-by-play voice a little later. All coming up right here on the Leach Report from Columbia, South Carolina. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. It's Tuesday, and that usually means Larry Vaught joins the program. From Vaughtsnews.com, YourSportsEdge.com, as uh, Kentucky is here in Columbia to take on South Carolina tonight. We'll talk about that in a minute, but first, what was your take on the uh, Shaden Sharp announcement by Cal yesterday, Larry? Uh, no, no real surprise. I think I told you last week I've become a believer after the Kansas game that Shaden wasn't going to play this week or this year just from listening to what John had to say after that game. So I, 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 no real surprise. I also think it's a whole lot easier to make that announcement when your team's playing the way it's playing right now. So uh, all things combined, I think it kind of just makes sense. And I know there's a good percentage of people that don't believe he'll play here no matter what's said next season, but uh, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I still think that that is, as Cal would say, that that is the plan. The plans can change, but I really believe that's what they intend to do is be here next year. So we'll just have to, I guess, get through June now and see what happens. Uh, We'll uh, continue with Larry Vaught here in uh, a couple minutes to talk about uh, the current Kentucky basketball team. I also want to talk a little bit about a a story he did at VaughtsViews.com on the struggles for Kentucky women's basketball, uh, which uh, is going to be playing against South Carolina this week itself. And uh, that's probably not going to be much fun. It is the Leach Report coming to you from Columbia, South Carolina. We'll be right back. Talk with Larry Vaught, VaughtsViews.com, YourSportsEdge.com, as we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Columbia, South Carolina. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops, including the Main Street Market for Clark's downtown Lexington, across from Rupp Arena on Main Street. They host the Sunday morning sports talk show with Larry and Jack Pilgrim and Anthony White and uh, Jake and Bo and the whole gang every Sunday here in the Lexington market on our uh, flagship station, WLAP. Uh, Larry, let's uh, talk a little bit about the current Kentucky basketball team and uh, some good news last night with the losses to Duke and Kansas as far as building Kentucky's case for a one seed if they can keep winning. Yeah, it seemed kind of impossible to think they would be a one seed as of of today based on what they do finishing out the season. But the Kentucky bandwagon is filled up pretty good nationally and everything over the last three weeks and 
I think probably should have. They're playing so, so well. And now you throw in a guy like when you needed some production from Damian Collins, you, you, you got it. And, and they just seem to keep, keep adding pieces and finding different ways to do things. And guys just keep filling their roles so, so well. It's just really been fun to watch Tom. And I think the next five, six, seven weeks are going to be a whole lot more fun too. That Damian Collins game Saturday, that reminded me a little of Marcus Lee in the NCAA tournament in 2014, where, uh, where did this come from kind of moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know it's kind of ironic that Orlando had talked just a week before about not to give up on Damian Collins. They were seeing this and seeing that out of him, and you kept thinking, well, it's like we've heard that before and didn't really materialize, and then he puts him in, and, boy, he just plays great because I thought, Earlier, when, when Lance came in for his three or four minutes, he did kind of what Lance does and, and looked okay. So then when he went to Damien, it surprised me a little bit. But, wow, Damien certainly delivered and then stepped up there and, and looked like the best free throw shooter. looked like the coming of Kyle Macy right there. Yeah. The way he just went in and just drilled those free throws in a tough setting like that. So that was really, really impressive, too. So, again, it's a nice problem to have, but now you've got to find the games that you can – use him and be able to play him because he certainly showed that he's ready it looks like and uh, they have it seems gotten everybody on uh, page in terms of Im- not just accepting roles but embracing them lance is a, a good example of that i mean he comes in plays hard uh you know holds his ground defensively um that they don't uh, certainly lose anything and uh, he rebounds well and <laughs> I think it's just kind of interesting. I mean, he's he's a lot of times it's very, you know it's obviously a very close in shot, but still he's he hasn't missed a shot since Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no matter as we found out, as Oscar could say, even a dunk's not guaranteed. So right, that's true. <laughs> so however however you do that, it's still pretty impressive. And, and I mean, in a, in a weird way, I think Lance could be a as key as anybody as to whether they're going to have a chance to win a national championship because I still think he's going to be the guy Calipari's going to go to the majority of time when Oscar comes out because he's just a little bit more physical. If it's a physical game, you need him. And if, and if those anywhere from three to nine, ten minutes that he provides with Oscar on the bench, if, if Kentucky holds their own or even makes a little bit of a, a surge during that time, that's just such an impact for this team. So I feel like he's a big, big guy to watch down the road because the way he just accepts his limited role, as you said, and does it so well that it really helps the team. And if they do get to play six games in the NCAA tournament, chances are at least one of them, Oscar's going to get into some foul trouble, you would think. Yeah, that's the way I would look at it. I mean, it's just hard not to or or just need a breather or or maybe it's just not – because I guess this idea of saying he's not having a good game, might as well forget that. Because even, <laughs> even on his bad games, he gets a double-double now. So might as well just forget saying if he has an off game. But, yeah, th- th- I think there'll be a time that you need him or maybe he twists an ankle or, I mean, anything could happen. So I, I think you want to keep Lance on the path he's on. But the good thing about it, he seems to accept that role and just does it so well. That, I, that to me, it's really kind of fun to watch when he comes in a game. I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, a team that genuinely seems to uh, just enjoy what they're doing. Uh, the, 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 you know, they, uh, Cal Perry talked the other night about how focused they are in the game plan. And, you know, Mike and I had 
had watched, uh, you know, we watched uh, the game day practices and just watching the one at Alabama and then watching the game in the, in the second half of the broadcast, I said to Mike, you know, it's everything we saw them talk about in that practice, you're seeing them put into play in the game. And, you know, that's not always the, the case. You know, sometimes they'll, you know, backslide on something or not quite get it. But, I mean, it was just very well executed to what the plan was. And that tells you that's a team that's, you know, really, you know, focusing in and paying attention. Yeah, and this team seems to really be doing that. I mean, whenever we have a chance to talk with Kellen Grady, it's almost like listening to an assistant coach talk just with his maturity. And I think Davion being a six-year player, I think Ty-Ty picks up game plans really, really well and seems to follow and do just what John wants. And just the whole team is really focused in. It's been a while since I can remember a team that seems dumb to all just – understand and accept the roles so willingly and, and put them all in place at the same time where there's no question about who's doing what or, and everybody gets along so well. I mean, just to watch Brooks and Toppin and the interaction they have when they know that the other one's out there playing well, they're probably not going to play, and yet you don't see anything out of those guys that love and support for each other, and it's just been a terrific thing. And I think the way that four position has improved as the season's gone on, that to me is probably the, the overlooked part of this equation is, is how well that Brooks and Toppin between them seem to be contributing every game now. Yeah, if you're the other coach, either you go into okay, what are we gonna? You want to? What do we have to take away from these guys to to have a chance to win? You know, with your opponent, but with Kentucky, you know, Oscar could you know get a big game. The guards, uh, you know, Grady, the way he can shoot it, you uh, you know, don't want to let him breathe, and then. You've got Brooks goes for 27 out at Kansas. And then the other night, just just one one play, but Jacob Toppins got matched up on a smaller guy, so he just backs him into the lane and then pivots, makes a, as pretty a move as you'll see, going to his left hand for a layup. And I'm like, if you're the other coach, you're thinking, okay, I can't stop everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when, when Toppin did that, I just kind of threw my hands up and said, <laughs> man, how, how, how are you going to beat this Kentucky? You know, that, that looked like a pro making oh, that move. I mean, I, I, I want to see him do it again. I mean, he just looks so dynamic doing it. That's the kind of plays that you just don't see many guys that can make it make it look so easy. And like I say, it wasn't even like he jumped up and down and screamed. He just kind of took it like that's just kind of routine and went hit it right on back down the court to play defense. Uh, let's shift gears to uh, a team that for whom things are not going so well, and they get a powerful South Carolina team later this week. Uh, national TV, and it's the U.K. women. You uh, wrote about them at uh, vaultsviews.com and yoursportsedge.com. Any, you know, just as an observer and a guy that follow, has followed for a long time, uh, can you put your finger on anything that's uh, causing the problem for, yeah, just think back to how well they played, say, against a team like Louisville back in December, and then look at the, the team that let that game slip away from them on Sunday. Yeah, I, I don't know, Tom. It, it, it's hard to kind of speculate and guess what is wrong. I mean, their, their effort at times just doesn't seem great. They uh, have really struggled to score points. A lot of times as teams have double or even triple team Brian Howard, they've had trouble finding other consistent scores. They don't always seem to make the uh, best plays that you can make. I think Sunday when after the game when Dre Edwards admitted that uh, we, we don't always follow the game plan. 
That's really not what you want to be hearing, especially the night before when John Calipari talks about how well his team is following the game plan and how they're winning. And you have one of the UK players talk about, yeah, we just don't always follow the game plan. So I know there's been injuries. They had COVID last year. You've dealt with COVID some this year. You had Matthew Mitchell resigning before the season started. Kyra Elsey stepping in. And it just seems like it's a long list of things that any or all could be contributing. I mean, there might be an example of the transfer portal hadn't exactly worked because they got four players on the team that were all at Lancaster, but still they're four transfers, and it's not working the best for them. And they just seem to me that their effort and their will is just kind of wilted away in these last few games, and they've got tough games left. I mean, when you watch them play right now and you look at that schedule, you're thinking they may not win another game the way they're playing right now. Calipari uses a word often, <clears throat> connected, and just watching the, the women, uh, you know, here and there, I watched uh, most of the fourth quarter through the overtime Sunday. They don't look connected right now, and I don't know how you can, if you can get that turned around this quickly or not. Yeah, they, I would say they, they look way more disconnected than they do connected, don't they? And, that, and that's the thing. They just don't seem to ever be in, in sync. I, I mean, the other day they scored, I think it was 26 points in the in the first quarter, and then barely got 26 for the rest of the game going into overtime. Then you get into overtime, and Ryan Howard doesn't get a shot. I mean, it's just kind of perplexing to have a player as good as Ryan Howard and have a team that started out the season ranked in the top 25 and now to be at the point where they are. So it's going to be some, uh, I think, going to be some soul-searching on the U.K. women's basketball program uh, during the offseason. Larry Vaught, thank you much. All right, Tom. There it comes to us uh, every Tuesday here on the Leach Report. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. When you need a great breakfast, brunch, or lunch, get to Wild Eggs and uh, go to wildeggs.com. Make an online uh, reservation so you don't have to wait when you get there. We'll be right back with Derek Scott. Get a little scouting report on South Carolina here on the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report for Tuesday. Kentucky's here in Columbia, South Carolina to play Frank Martin's Gamecocks tonight. We are joined by Derek Scott. He is the radio play-by-play voice for South Carolina basketball. Uh, Derek, tell us a little bit about uh, South Carolina when things are going well. What are they doing well, and uh, what has happened when they have struggled? Well, Tom, good morning. Uh, When it's going well, the aggressive, you know, very physical style of defense that Frank Martin teaches is paired with some shot making uh, and some guys that can get you enough points to get you over 70. Uh, And usually with Frank's defensive philosophy, that's been good enough. Unfortunately, uh, this team's been up and down in that shot making category. And uh, when it's not going well, it's when they're not getting anything created on offense and they get stagnant and the turnover numbers mount. Uh, and that has been a sure sign of trouble uh, for this team. And sometimes it uh, comes and goes in the same game, and that was certainly the case Saturday. Played a very good first half against Tennessee, and we're right there in spite of the balls being on fire from three-point territory. And then in the second half, that offense just never made it out of the locker room, and uh, Tennessee turned the water off, so to speak, and it, and it ended up being a 20-plus point game. At uh, the media session yesterday, Coach Martin was uh, lamenting the production or lack thereof of the big guys on his team. 
Yeah, it, it's been frustrating because there was some real potential shown in the non-conference. And I'm not just talking about against, you know, non-Power 5 conferences. Uh, you know, Wildens Levesque was really steady for this team in terms of being a, a, rim, a rim-protecting presence, leading rebounder on the squad, and averaging around 8 to 10 points a game. And it played pretty well against Auburn in the SEC opener, which we thought was significant against the uh, Tigers front line. But, boy, since then, it has really been a struggle for Wildens. Uh, he's having tons of foul trouble, and even when he's on the court, he's just not making an impact. And not to throw him under the bus, because he's hardly been alone in that regard. Uh, Frank thought he had some real size and depth this year, and we haven't seen anybody really evolve into a, a consistent performer on that front line. And he's been playing Keyshawn Bryant a lot at the four as a result of that, and Keyshawn is certainly not sized to be able to compete against the bigger teams in the league like Kentucky uh, for that role. But at some point, Frank was just trying to find some level of a spark. And at least with, you know, with Keyshawn, you get that athleticism where he can make some plays off the bounce. I see where they're uh, getting Josh, may get Josh Gray back tonight from a broken wrist. Is that right? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that works because he was cleared to play on Saturday. and Frank just didn't see what he was looking for out of the couple of practices. He, he broke the wrist at Mississippi State last Tuesday. They put him in a cast, and it's, you know, one of those deals you got to try and play with a cast on, uh, and they, you know, wrap it in the memory foam so it can't be a danger to anybody else on the court with you. But it's still, I'm sure, a real challenge to get used to having that on when you're trying to rebound and, and handle the ball and, and any of those facets, even if it's, you know, you're non-shooting hand. So, you know, Frank did, never brought him off the bench on Saturday. And I'll be real curious to see if he feels better about Josh in terms of what he's seen from him in practice since then and whether he returns to the rotation because he's definitely, of all things are equal, he's your, your second option in the post be, behind uh, Wilden. Who's the, the hardest guy to guard for South Carolina when the Gamecocks are playing well? I'd say James Reese. He has certainly been the most consistent scorer of late. He's a graduate transfer, hometown kid. Uh, but has bounced around, uh, you know, began his career at Buffalo after a junior college stop. He was at North Texas. I, you know, in spite of him being a Columbia guy, I didn't really know that much about him, but he has been invaluable for this team. On the one hand, he is the best on-ball defender that South Carolina has and probably the best they've had since Dwayne Notice in the Final Four season. Just really, really good and makes things harder, harder on opponents who are trying to, you know, run guys off ball screens. And then his uh, his shooting is much more consistent than most on this team, especially kind of that mid range game. I mean, he I think early on he was billed as a, a specifically a three point shooter, but he's been getting a lot more of his stuff in that fifteen foot range uh, and working from the wings down to the corners. And just I think at times probably wish he was a little more aggressive in looking for a shot based on you know his ability to to uh, score the basketball can. Compared to some of the others, he and Eric Stevenson are definitely options one and two for this team. And, of course, they're both new faces through the transfer portal that uh, Kentucky fans will not be familiar with. They force about uh, 16 turnovers a game uh, when they get it rolling defensively. Uh, what do they look like? Well, you know, with Frank, it's always been that way. He's going to be extremely aggressive in passing lanes. 
very physical. Uh, we, you know, when things are, are good, we're creating turnovers. When things are bad, we're getting called for a lot of fouls. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of contact though, one way or the other. And, uh, and, and so sometimes you're a little susceptible to backdoor cuts because they, they do overplay so much in the passing lanes, but it, they've always been able to, to create turnovers. And this year, certainly that's been the case, even against teams that don't have typically high turnover rates. Now, Obviously, when you face a team like Kentucky, you've got two really short-handed guards on the floor, you know, together a lot. So we'll see if that is the, uh, you know, the the cure to to that or the antidote. But that's uh, that's something that is, you know, been a part and parcel of Frank Martin's defensive style since he got here. Derek Scott, thank you for the time. We'll see you tonight. All right, Tom. Thanks. Take care. Derek Scott uh, from the South Carolina Radio Network as the Cats and the Gamecocks get set to square off here in Columbia. We'll close out this game day edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington when we come right back. A couple of birthdays today. Current Kentucky basketball player Lance Ware celebrating a birthday today. And former Kentucky basketball player Henry Thomas. Happy birthday to both. Uh, This is the day in uh, 1964, I believe it was. I don't have that date here on my note on my calendar. But anyway, the last Kentucky player to get 30 rebounds in a game was Cotton Nash. And it was on this day. And Oscar Shibwe got as close as... Closer than I ever thought anybody would get in this day and time when he got 28 against Western Kentucky. So maybe he could still get to to 30. We'll see. If anybody could, it'll be Oscar. Um, Coming up tonight, Kentucky and South Carolina. We'll be back to talk about it tomorrow and uh, start to look ahead to the the, uh, home game with Gators on Saturday. It's the Leach Report from Columbia, served up by Wild Eggs. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook.